Welcome to the People Experience Pulse podcast, your gateway to the new frontier of human experiences at work. On the PX Pulse, we're all about elevating experiences, fostering belonging, and building remarkable workplace cultures in a fast evolving world. How can human resource and people experience leaders effectively navigate the evolving talent landscape while simultaneously fostering impactful employee experiences and preserving leadership authority within their organizations? In today's episode, Jeff Bond chats with Tara Blythe, Chief People Officer at Infotech, and Alejandra Nunez, Organizational Development Consultant at The Walt Disney Company. Our guests share their experiences and lessons from their roles in the ever-evolving landscape of human resources and organizational development. During this conversation, Tara and Ali explore how the shifting dynamics of the workforce brought on by the global pandemic and the rise in hybrid work have reshaped talent strategies, provide advice into extracting meaningful insights from data, and share their approaches to problem solving drawing from methodologies like design thinking, strategic planning toolkits, and project management. Tune in to learn practical strategies and tools from Tara and Ali as they share their experiences in crafting outstanding people experiences. Are you looking to make your workplace more human? Check out my friends at Coolleaf. What I love about Coolleaf is that it helps leaders create connection, engagement, and recognition. You can celebrate team wins, reward colleagues, and have fun with your coworkers. You can build a culture of appreciation and feedback that boosts morale, retention, and performance. Listen to this clip from their podcast, The Great Retention, to hear how Coolleaf transformed a company culture. We needed a way for people to connect, and there was people who would work together and talk to each other on the phone every day. Uh, who didn't even know them that well, and they had no way to appreciate them. What we liked about Coolleaf was that there is that social element to it. Coolleaf gave us an opportunity to allow our people to appreciate others they worked with on a daily basis, but just never saw in person. Not only did it give managers a tool to recognize their people, but from a culture perspective, it allowed people to connect. And it was really cool as a chief marketing officer to see some of the interactions that were happening on the feed, because that's something that we wouldn't have had if we didn't have a tool like that. Coolleaf also simplifies measuring and improving the employee experience with pulse surveys, rewards, and integrations with your everyday tools. To learn more about Coolleaf and how it can make your work more human, visit coolleaf.com slash try Coolleaf. That's C-O-O-L-E-A-F dot com slash try Coolleaf to book your free demo today and see how top workplaces use Coolleaf to put their people first and thrive. Welcome, Tara and Alejandra, the self-proclaimed OD nerds to our podcast. We really couldn't be more thrilled to have two passionate, knowledgeable experts in the organizational development field joining us today. Uh, so I know we're going to embark on a journey to unravel the strategies and challenges that you all are facing real time in today's complex workforce. So let's just embrace those inner OD nerds today and dive headfirst into a captivating discussion. Does that sound good to you both? Perfect. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, Tara, I wanted to start with you. Could you kind of share an experience from your journey as a chief people officer uh, at Infotech over the last five years, but really throughout your career, 
where maybe you face an organizational development scenario and just how you manage it and some of your key takeaways? Oh, sure. Um, I think if we're going to focus on the last five years, I'm going to say many people who are probably listening to your podcast are going to relate to almost everything I've said, right? So especially if they're in a senior human resources, talent officer, people officer, whatever title you want to give us nowadays type of role, if you are responsible for the people function of the organization, the last five years have been a roller coaster. Luckily, I like thrills. So um, it's got it's got a few ups and downs. I would say if you talk about, first of all, the couple things that I, I think are most specific to the last five years that we have seen is almost a rubber band in the supply and demand of talent, right? And that, yes, was brought on by a global pandemic. Yes, that was brought on by a move to a hybrid workforce that was forced for almost everyone in the United States for a period of time. And then either just people are figuring out how to embrace that and how to lean into that, right? Um, but additionally, and we in, at it for Infotech and anyone who works in the tech field or even tech adjacent, the cost of talent has gone up 40% in the last three years alone. If you look holistically over the last five years with some ebb and flows, almost 55 to 60% for certain positions, specifically highly technical positions or positions like subject matter experts, business analysts, things like that, that focus on the building of software or technology to support a customer's needs. And to keep up with that at the same time as the world changed from having any kind of rules, right? So being competitive four years ago for talent, you could subdivide and say, I'm in the Southeastern United States, or I'm in the state of Florida, as I did, um, right? Or I'm, I'm focusing on talent in this space. And then you got a, a incredible company out of Washington saying you can still live in Gainesville, Florida, and be an engineer for my company and I'm gonna pay you Seattle prices. So we had so many outside influences coming at us. At the same time as you still have the same things that you always have to do in OD. So throughout my career, to answer that bigger question, my role in OD has always been to ensure that people are at the table when it comes to an organization, right? So um, I've been lucky enough in the past decade or so of my career to have a seat, have a vice president title or a chief title where I have a voice next to the chief financial officer, next to an operations officer, where people don't become a widget because people are at the table and we can lean in and talk about the most important asset within an organization. But unlike any other asset, you don't get to just look at them based on numbers on a sheet. You have to actually know who they are and you have to lean in towards them. Um, so that's always been what I did in regards to OD. But in the last five years, that's been critically important because you've had to adapt and change at a pace that I would argue we haven't seen historically ever. But we also need to keep into account that it will only continue to be at that pace. And we're only seeing it continue to accelerate. It wasn't a point in time. One of the things I hate right now that a lot of people continue to say is like back to normal or it's post pandemic, we're moving back. No, it, it, it's not a new normal either. Like the only thing we can guarantee right now is that change continues to happen. Yeah, it's a great reflection and no no doubt it'll resonate with listeners and, and everyone that is in similar seats with 
within the people field. And speaking of having people at the table, what a great representation of that today, having Alejandro with us, uh, who you worked with for a long time and actually even no longer full time uh, with you, but still connecting, still working, still partnering in the field of people and from different generations, which I love as well. Alejandro, how did that speak to you in terms of Tara's reflection over the last five years? Yeah, I think it's it's funny because I'm earlier on in my career. Um, and to me, the last five years have been my career. And so to me, this constant craziness has been my normal. Um, so it's it's interesting to see the um, kind of difference in perspectives. And I, in the past few years when I worked with Tara, it's been great to have her expertise through that, you know, what was before all this kind of crazy change and now to see how we kind of build upon that to to really you know build the plane while while it's flying in the air it feels like a lot of the times um and a lot more i think leaning into more prototyping and being agile and you don't have enough time to make it perfect um so i think that's something that i've had to kind of take into my ways that i approach the work um as much as you wish it was had all the bells and whistles you might not have the time or sometimes even the budget to add all those bells and whistles. So being able to, to really scrutinize in the data and like the root cause of the problem you're trying to solve so that you add what's the true value in terms of that OD solution. Um, and if you're able to add more, so be it. Um, but really going for that, like, what is that minimal viable solution that you need to help the organization? I love that. And as you've transitioned now, you're with a huge company known for its diverse business units and immense scale at Disney. And can you elaborate on what you've seen in terms of addressing just kind of this ever-changing need for people experience to be prioritized without making leaders feeling like they're losing authority or losing control over just business objectives? Yeah, certainly. I think um, I've had to do that both at when I was at Infotech and now at Disney. And I think my personal approach has been you know, there's always a lot of data that you can gather. Um, there's so many sources now, whether it be internally through your HR systems, your employee experience surveys, or externally through articles you're seeing, trends on LinkedIn, social media, you know, employees being more vocal on social platforms about the ways that we're working, not just looking at Glassdoor anymore. And so I think being able to, as an OD consultant, put on the the lens of okay, taking in all the data, but what are the actual insights from that? What are the, you know, you can have data, everyone can have access to data, but I think the OD consultant and the OD perspective is being able to create those insights. And from that, really sift through what's the true important or most important perspective of that. And so when I go to talk to leaders, I try to do that beforehand and find what are those recommendations? You know, we can't tackle all the problems at once as much as we all wish we could. Um, and like I mentioned, not in this day and age where we're having limited resources, limited talent pools and all of that. And when I'm talking to them, it's sharing kind of the insights, not so much the data. I'm someone that thinks like, if you're able to give a presentation without a PowerPoint, that's the presentation you should give with the PowerPoint. You don't need to have all the graphs. <laughs> um, and so being able to use that storytelling ability and know the data really well so that you can tell that story without all the graphs at times, because some leaders may not like that, or you may lose them. Um, I know like when I'm talking to from someone with finance, they want all the graphs, they want all the numbers. When I'm talking to someone from a different line of business, they might not want all the numbers. And one, knowing your audience, two, having those insights, and I think three, 
being able to work with them to identify what's the problem they want to solve, what's more immediate. And I always lean into, you know, this is me from looking at the data, but you know your business. What are you here? What's resonating? Is there a surprise in this data, you know, that I'm sharing? And then from that, deciding how to best approach it. So they're part of the authority of decision-making rather than me coming in and saying, here's what's wrong with your business. That's not the approach I like to take. Part of the authority. Wow. Wise beyond your years. So Tara, I'd love to hear from the <laughs> CPO perspective and how you're living that out, how that resonates with you and maybe how you're you're seeing this play out in your world. Yeah. I, you know, um, and I, for all your listeners, Alejandra and I are pretty close and we talk a lot. We did not talk about how we're going to answer these questions before we came in. We did, there was no preparation and sometimes the way we the like words, it, which I love. And when the words come out like that from her, I am sitting here like super proud and was like, I think she said that better than I would have said it. Um, so I'm gonna, but I am going to talk about the point you did make that, uh, very early on in that, it, those comments. And we do come at it from different perspectives now, right? So Alejandra did start over here. She started in a smaller company where she knew every employee's name, which in some ways to me is always an advantage. In my career, I've actually scaled back over my years of OD. I started with a very, I started working for Target. So I started with a very large global now company, many, many, many employees. I had a kind of Southeastern United States portfolio working for that organization. I had to line, align with the bigger picture, but still make impact to Alejandra's point. I often had to serve very much as she just spoke to now how she's having to serve as a business partner, right? So I had to come in and I had to convince usually leadership of how I can help them see their people meet their people where they are, elevate the business practices of where we're going by embracing and actually often usually giving the wheel to the people and the trust to the talent that we brought into the organization. Now at a place like Infotech, I do have the ability, we're, we're talking about under 500 employees, right? So I have the ability to know everyone's name and I should, and know where they are, know where they came from, know what they bring to the table and give them a space and a voice. In OD, you have to be able to do both and scale. And uh, Ali's comment of in her world now that she shifted to Disney, she's coming in and she's assigned a new business partner, a new leader somewhere in Disney. She has to understand their problem, understand what they're trying to accomplish, often asking different questions, right? Because, and I, I'm a big design thinking fan, so I'm, I'm always bringing that into the point, but there's some core tenets to design thinking that works so well in OD every single time. And the, the first one that you absolutely love is you never accept the first question. You never accept what they told you the problem is. You step back and you look at the bigger context and you understand again and make sure you're asking the right question in the first place. Your space in the larger space, your impact in the bigger impact. That person's, how it's affecting them, but pull that string all the way out to the bigger space and then come back in. And that ebb and flow between big picture and small is what OD does so well. Interestingly enough, and I'm interested if Ali's going to agree with this, we always worked so well together because Ali is really good at starting real small and then going real big. I'm, I almost always start real big. And then she's got to drag me down to the small. And at some point I pull in an Ali when it's getting to the details, right? So, but that you can, you can make both work. Um, and in that space, and you can make both work in very different environments when you're leaning in and, and you're trying to really accomplish something. But my biggest one on that, understand the impact and make sure you're asking the right question. 
Wow, I love that. Alejandro, I'd love to hear your perspective on the difference, the polarized approach to to this. Do you yeah. agree, disagree? I think that's why I love OD. I think it's the, I've never been someone that could just work big picture or could just work in the details. Um, I do go with Tardy, you know, we've always called them my rabbit holes when I go down the rabbit hole and then I just resurface and I'm like, so here's all the things I learned. <laughs> um, but I think that's the true skill that is worth honing in is being able to, you know, hear the leader, empathize with what they're at, the situation, their every day. Um, <laughs> but then also being able to look at the larger organization and the company and what it's going through and, you know, the impacts that Tara mentioned, you know, that are external impacts through the organization. You know, you're never going to have a business that's living in a vacuum. Um, and so being able to have that mindset and not getting too Knowing when it's enough, I think, is the biggest part of honing in that skill. Knowing when you're went just deep enough into the weeds to understand it and just high enough to understand the larger picture. That's kind of the gray area that I think is is the true mastery of the skill for me that I'm still trying to learn is I know Tara in the past had to pull me out of the weeds and she's like, okay, you've had enough. <laughs> um, and so knowing that and honing that, I think from an OD professional perspective and same with data, you know, you can spend all the time you want looking at models and assessing the data, but then at some point you're going to have to come back up with those insights. So. Let's get into that because I love how we're talking about mindset here and the ways of thinking, particularly from two generational perspectives uh, and, you know, the in the weeds versus maybe out of the weeds and that counterbalance. I think that's that's so great to hear. But what are some of the practical like ways and tools and just resources that you're using today that maybe you just can't live without? You know, I'm sure that would be helpful for listeners to hear like what's in the tool stack what's what what can't you live without so tara maybe i can start with you on that one yeah i will start and i will tell you that if you're looking for the list of tools alejandra is going to give you the answer right so she's going to be like i've tried trello and then i moved to this project management software and then i moved to this space because that's i'm going to give you more the approach um and it's still a toolkit right so i, I i'm going to say and Ali just made me think about this and she she does have this already. She's gotten so good. But as she said, I used to pull her out of the rabbit holes. They're, they're, my biggest advice that I can give to OD is you're never going to find the perfect answer. You're not. If you continue down that rabbit hole, you're always going to find more. Well, well we, could make, we could make this even better, but I, I missed this piece. I could go there. That's not our job. In OD, our job is to keep our, the business running in the most extraordinary way and where we can ensure that people see themselves within it, that they understand their impact and they know how they can move it forward. You have to find where you can, therefore, and it's it's an evolution of right person, right place, right time. It's right per, right person, right place, right thing. Are we working on the right thing and are we doing it with urgency? Because there is a point of urgency, back to that change comment I made right now, the pace of where we're moving and where the organization is moving, if they're pulling us in, if we're helping to solve the problem, they, they don't have the time to wait. We can bring a pause where appropriate. 
we can stop them from jumping to a conclusion before they've asked the right question. But we, and we can send an incredible person like Alejandra to say, well, just give me a little bit more about that. Especially if we do have the luxury, which sometimes you do, if you're building out a program from scratch and you've kind of pulled a couple different tenants and you're saying, this is a sustainable way to fix this long-term, then I can put a little bit more time into that. But if an OD professional is coming in and we're looking at, this is the concern, this is a challenge return on investment isn't where it is. The value isn't where it's going to be. This piece of the organization is just not functioning. It should. This leader that was so successful over here, when we shifted them over here, it's not working. They're not gelling. They're not understanding their team. They've been successful for 10 years. That didn't work. Doesn't mean you pull them right away, but you have to understand and you have to, to you have to act quickly. So I'm going to say, you know, from a toolkit, from a space, it's understanding and I use a current state analogy, it's using maybe a strategic planning toolkit. So design thinking I already put in there as a methodology. I'm a big fan of core strategic planning toolkits, right? And people are like, well, no, those are for business piece, not people. No, they absolutely are. Ultimately, most strategic planning is ground yourself in a current state. Understand outside opportunities that are coming at you, what is affecting that organization and the strengths internally. Then understand a desired state, threats that are coming in the future, what we might predict, where that focus is, and then do a gap analysis in between. So methodologies for me are what I'm going to say versus tools. Ali's got both, um, but she's also, I swear, every time she worked for me, she was like, I found this tool that could organize this better. And that you could like see her mind in these tools. So I'll let her give you some of those answers. <laughs> yeah, I think that's perfect. The Yeah, just let's talk about the approach but now Alejandra let's go to the let's go to the tools yeah. let's, let's hear the tools from you I think something I'd, I'd want to add into Tara's like approach I think is also like kind of prototyping more and I think it goes back to my earlier comment of like going for kind of that minimal viable product version um, so that you can tweak it and improve it as you go um, I think I'd add that there in terms of tools I think I am one skill that's really important that I think everyone should should hone into is like project management um, and being, you know, as you're developing solutions and looking at data, being able to put that through. And then once you decide what are the actions we want to take, you got to implement those things. And so if you are going to be part of that implementation, making sure that there is a proper plan for it, you know, you have just like how it's going to work, you're assessing how to embed it, you know, doing I think I took a lot of that. I, I'm very grateful to have started my career in software because I feel like a lot of the methodol the agile methodology is now ingrained in the way I approach problems. And so looking at like, who are those going to be impacted by these solutions? What are some potential resistance? How do we make the experience of the solution, you know, with them in mind and not just something that I'm like, oh, this is my, you know, idea it's going to work because it's my no it has to be built on the actual needs of the people you're impacting um and so i think that's something that i would add is like honing into those kind of agile ways of of approaching the work um and then i do i'm a big trello fan i make trello boards <laughs> tomorrow i would be like okay we're doing this project here is a whole trello board of it and i am assigning people to things there's like dates and color codes and all this other stuff so i think just links keeping that to resources links to re to another trello board that keeps those yeah. organized <laughs> i actually uh, will yeah, add, I, think I will add alejandra uh -huh. the, that made me think about so the other piece so project management 
just to be a little bit more summarizing, project management skills, facilitation skills, right? And those are different things, very different things. And so an OD practitioner has to have strong project management skills, but has to be able to facilitate in the moment. And facilitating in the moment means listening to the audience and restating things for the audience that someone else might have just said in a way that that person can hear it articulating, summarizing, and moving forward. Um, and so I will say a tool that I, I did like that I, Alejandra might've introduced to me or might've been another incredible colleague that we work with, um, but it is Lucid. I will say Lucid right now because in a virtual and a hybrid environment, OD professionals love whiteboards, right? Like I, for, this is a generational difference for almost 20 years of my career, Every facilitation I had, I had in a training room and I had a whiteboard and I had them in the room and I used stickies and we walked around and we motivated and we talked in this collaborative area and this collaborative environment. And when we went to a fully virtual world, I had to make sure that worked there. And it was either Ale or our colleague, Jen Baisner, um, but one of them brought this tool to me and they're like, it's a virtual whiteboard. And it, you know, if I can learn it in five minutes, it's useful, right? And we could learn it in five minutes and it works in the exact same way. Um, and now I think we have half our organization with a license because they use it in different ways, both for agile methodology and designing software and in other pieces. Yeah, well, we're a big Trello shop over here. So shout out to that call out and Lucid. I've, I've had a little bit of experience with. And so you're you're piquing my interest to try it more. I agree. You know, anything we can do to collaborate. I do want to pivot a little bit to uh, the challenge that a lot of organizations are facing now of trying to do more with less. Uh, and so we talked a little bit about this before, and I'd love to unpack your insights to provide some guidance for other leaders in the people field that are struggling with similar issues. So can you share how your approach helps you stay people-centric, Tara, while still striving for a successful and enduring business amid this necessary adaptation? Sure, absolutely. And I, I that is the... So the, as we kind of kind of come circle for your full circle to your first question here, last five years, a lot of elasticity, right? So moving into the like, I'm going to say that'd be early 2018, 2019 growth mode. And for most technology organizations, opportunity, especially in our industry, we serve civil and infrastructure construction at uh, Infotech, but generally in technology, software as a service, there was so much opportunity and everyone was looking for that talent that could help you grow as quickly as possible, right? Through a pandemic, it was also it was hold on to that talent, continue to serve your customer needs because we had the great resignation, right? And then continue to lean in. And then coming out of it, we see many, many big tech companies. Luckily, I have not had to be one of them because we've done some things in a little bit different way, which I appreciate. But I also understand there's a power of scale making massive layoff decisions, right? But everyone had to do some right-sizing. And those are different things, first of all. I understand to a human being, and I want to be very clear, I'm always like, in the human heart, they're not different things. And when it affects a person, it's a layoff. It doesn't matter. But you can call it whatever word you want. But right-sizing does truly mean looking into the organization and understanding the needs of the business and matching it with the needs of your people. And I'm going to use both as being critically important. And if an organization can get that and understand the needs of your people, I do think it takes a little longer. It usually means not one layoff, pull off the Band-Aid decision. It usually means 
leaning in and saying, okay, to meet these goals, this is what our, this is what the adaptations of the work needs. There's a term that's just starting to be used out there. I really like it. And it's called reployment. Um, and it's, it's like reemployment or replacement, right? So you're basically moving away from a tool that we as OD practitioners use and have used, and it's a staple in what we do. And it's boring as can be, but it's so critically important in every part of our job, which is the job description, right? It has the critical qualifications. It has the responsibilities. It has what we can stand on of, no, this is what you were hired. It's the unspoken employment contract when you're not allowed to have an employment contract because you're in an at-will state, but it is because this is what we've agreed. And employees use it the same way, right? Like you get that all the time. Well, it's not in my job description. I don't need to do that. And that's why you always have those other duties as a sign section that someone in HR came up with solidly 25 years ago, just to be like, there's always going to be other duties. In this current world, our the world is changing. The business is changing. The jobs have to adapt at a pace that we've never had. So the right now doing more with less, if you will, that term can scare people. It's more about leaning into the skill sets of your organization, understanding what they are, giving them an opportunity to be part of the change because being part of the change is exhilarating. Having it happen to you is scary as crap, right? Let them know where the organization is going. Let them know what is needed. Let them raise their hand and say, I want to take that on. Adapt the job to meet the needs of the business and adapt their role accordingly while they're also getting new training, new opportunities, expanding their perspectives, learning something about a new space and allow them to put those toes in different waters. Now we've always had terms like that in OD, right? Like, oh, you're talking about job sharing, Tara. I know what that is. Or you're talking about a special project assignment. Sure, those are the techniques and how you do it, but it's the mentality of shifting towards that is how we run a business now. When you step into a certain role, your role is to help us accomplish this goal using your skills, your talents that will adapt and grow over time as well. And we will adapt and grow with you. And we will adapt your role as needed to do that. What that looks like in a do more with less environment is, yeah, when I'm talking about right sizing right now, did I have some position eliminations we had to make some decisions on just like every other company? Yes. But we were also able to adapt quite a few roles. We were able to shift responsibilities. We were able to move responsibilities where there was more opportunity to other people. We were able to look at our internal talent first and really invest in them and then come up for some air as we need to and say, okay, where are there still gaps? And those might be where we go back out and search for that talent, if that makes sense. Yeah. And Alejandra, I'd, I'd be really interested in hearing your perspective too, just five years in the, in the marketplace and, and understanding that your peers are probably scared as crap, right? Around all layoffs and things like that and the shifts. And what does that mean for me? And, you know, how the, the world is advancing and, and shifting uh, in employment so drastically. What, what's your perspective on that and, and what Tara just shared? Yeah, I think um, speaking more on that for me, it's also what I've been seeing you know, in my role and across other companies as you're, you know, everyone's sharing a little bit more, it's how much I think we did for employee engagement. You know, we've added so many great programs and people started adding all these benefits and all these things. And then it's like, you know, um, all these special events to help with the engagement. But then sometimes it's also looking at, okay, is that, is that a need to have? Is that a nice to have? And so being able to be a little bit more critical in the strategy component and kind of going back to what Tara was talking about, that really important way to to do the gap analysis. And is it truly a gap or is it something nice you added because it would be nice to add? 
Um, and so I think both from a business perspective, seeing that how much leaders, especially when I'm seeing when they come on to this new leadership role, they want to keep all the stuff that was already there. Um, and sometimes it's a little hard to be critical and say, okay, that was already there, but do we still need it for where we're headed? And I think having that foresight in terms of where we need to be and keeping that at the start um, is really critical. And I think something that could be kind of taken into all different roles and lines of business is like thinking more about where you want to be at the end of it rather than where you are right now to help kind of frame how you decide what is a go or no go or is it something we stop? Is it something, you know, start, stop, continue? <laughs> um, I think that's something that I'm seeing in terms of it because you can't do it all and things are changing so quickly. That's something that was a need to have three months ago may not be a need to have, but being able to have the space to ask those questions, to be agile in your thinking um, and to feel like it's not a failure or, you know, you're going to have to lay off a bunch of people. It's like Tara mentioned, can you redeploy? There's certainly skills in those individuals. There's, you know, institutional knowledge there. You probably don't want to lose. Um, and being able to decide how you best kind of um, use those skills as you move forward. Wow. I feel like I'm getting the magic of two keynotes all in one here. You both had just major <laughs> mic drops there and we want to land the plane really quickly here. So our, our, Listeners are interested in the people experience within their organization for obvious reasons. You know, they want to write the ship. They want people to stay. They want people to have, you know, an engaged experience. They want them to be promoters of their business and to be advocates of their culture so that they come out of this economic uncertainty stronger. So if you were to just say one quick, like kind of word of wisdom to them, say like, if you could take anything away from this conversation today you know, what would that be to take back to your desk and maybe apply? Alejandro, what would that be for you? I think, you know, I think that's a great question. And I think from my perspective, something to really take home um, is more of a mindset than like a tool or you must, you know, it's never about you must do these five things in order to be successful. I'm actually skeptical of when they say these five things or like the key, um, because I find that that's certainly not always the case. So I would say more of a mindset of, of knowing your people, you know, and understanding what's truly needed for your people by, you know, if you're a smaller organization, talking to them, hosting roundtables, conversations, coffee chats, surveys and all of that. If you're in a larger organization, looking at the data, the trends, if you're able to talk to smaller groups of people that might be resistors going on in that moment, please do that. But I think being able to truly know what is needed for your people rather than what you think they need. I think that's when you fall into the trap of not actually serving and providing the value that is needed for your people when you're just going on assumptions and guts. I think anything you add should be based on something that your people truly need and are telling you they need. And they're telling you there's so many channels like we talked about that you can get this information. So being able to leverage that in order to really solve the problem based on what they need. Tara, what would, what would that be for you? As usual, um, Alejandro, you just make me proud that like we very much align. So I'm going to underscore what she said. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say, I know you said one, but I'm not good at following directions, Jeff. People in OD aren't good at following directions. Um, so I, I'm going to say two. I'm going to say first, if you're in a people experience role, if you're lucky enough to have that great honor where you are responsible for people, as Alejandra said, my best advice is going to be lean in and understand your people, hear them, give them a voice. 
Don't speak for them. Find opportunities where they have a space at the table where they have the mic. Transfer the mic, transfer the light, if you will, right? Don't just write some huge light up here where that's way out in the distance where they have a vision that we can march towards, hand them the torch that they can lead others past, right? And then secondly, I do have to say, and I am talking to my peers when I say this, understand your incredibly important role in the business and strengthen your business and organizational acumen to understand what the business is trying to accomplish, where it plays within the industry, and keep that in mind in every decision, every piece of advice you give. Because ultimately that keeps you the respect you need at the table to do what you need to do to protect and take care of and invest in the people within the organization and the entire organization is better for it. We've been talking to Alejandra and Tara. It's such a gift to be with you both today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another insightful episode of the People Experience Pulse. We hope the words shared in this episode have inspired you as much as they've inspired us. Now the real challenge begins, putting what you've learned into practice. The change you create, no matter how small, could be the spark that ignites an exceptional people experience in your organization and beyond. If you found value in today's conversation, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your feedback helps us deliver high-value content and reach more listeners like you. You can find other inspiring episodes and additional resources at our website, thepxpulse.com. Join our community at thepxpulse.com. Thank you again for joining us on the People Experience Pulse. Until next time, remember, the heartbeat of any organization is its people. Let's make every pulse count.